Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. I am Ram Srinivas, as usual, and with me is my co-host, Jimmy Funnel. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Ram. Been a while, but we're back. It's been a brilliant start to the season and looking forward to talk about everything Chelsea, as always. It has indeed. And brilliant start to the season and we have a brilliant guest with us today. Um, I've lost track of the number of times he's been on the podcast so far, which is probably a good thing. It shows that he's been on a lot, but it is um, recurring guest and community member Eternal Blue, uh, also known as Shiva. So hello, Shiva. Hi, Ram. Hi, Jimmy. Uh, It's good to be back. Uh, And uh, it's an exciting time for all of us, you know. Uh, Lukaku is back, yeah. so it's good to have returning people, right? That's always yeah. a good thing. Definitely. Sure is. Speaking <laughs> of returning players, yeah. <laughs> uh, most definitely. So, well, it's been a very exciting start to the season. We have started pretty well in the league. We have um, kind of scraped through our first Champions League game. Not the most swashbuckling win. But we got the job done in the end. Um, Jimmy, are you? How, how would you rate our performances so far? Like good but effective, good and very enjoyable to watch, something like that. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's uh, there's always space to improve. Like Thomas Tuchel mentioned as much in his in his last press conference. You know, you always want to be better, always get better. But um, one thing that one really has to emphasize is that we have this never give up uh, mentality instilled in the players that really got the show against Liverpool. Uh, we were down to 10 men. Uh, one can debate that red card. I think it's it's long ago now, thankfully. But Anthony Taylor, yeah, I think we all know what we, we, we really... Uh, seeing his refereeing performance but you know it just showed a lot of grit and character from our team and that's maybe something that we wouldn't have done under a former management not only just Frank Lampard also uh, maybe a Maurizio Sarri and Antonio Conte in his second year so that was great to see that we've still got that um, in us and you know playing wise the Zenit game was very cagey very cagey they pressed us relentlessly but you know that's kind of the where we at now you know even when we do play or I don't want to say poorly we didn't play poorly but you know we weren't at our best we were maybe just in first or second gear we can win these games because we've got that game changer uh, who we will still be talking about quite a bit today and that's that's just brilliant because that's reminiscent of the old days, you know, of the old guard. And I think mm-hmm. we've we've got a real season on our hands. So yeah, uh, I mean, performance-wise, I think we're only going to get better than yeah, even more sure. than now. Yeah, for sure. It definitely feels like this is the kind of start that you look at and say, this is how teams that eventually win the league start off uh, getting results even when they're not really playing very well. Incredibly common trope, but it does sort of apply to us. Um, Shiva, how sweet was it to finally, I don't know, beat Arsenal? Oh, thank <laughs> God that we did. I mean, it's been so long. It's 
when it's it's unconscionable i think that we didn't beat ourselves under arteta or even i mean i don't know what kind of hold he had on us but like basically we were unbeat unbelievably ineffective against them but uh, thankfully now we have rectified that with lukaku uh, channeling is in the drogba and uh, bullying our defenders yeah i'm i'm fully here for drogba to become the next so the terrorizer yeah the 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 next terrorizer of arsenal defenses but i feel like um we i feel, I, i mean i was quite impressed with us against liverpool like i feel like we adapted to the game situation very well because it's obviously very difficult to have a red card and then a goal conceded just after that just on the brink of half time as well i'm just full of tropes today but th- but i thought that we started that one off quite well obviously we scored through a set piece so habert said you don't see it from a corner very often but we did but i thought we gave them a lot of problems until half time and if the game had continued without the red card we probably would have won that is it like a really really good sign for us that we were able to stifle them pretty comfortably even with 10 men I mean that that's kind of the thing isn't it because <laughs> if if we could do it with 10 men that we more or less hold them back and you know Jurgen Klopp was complaining about us you know sitting back but at the end of the day going down to 10 men at Anfield against a Liverpool side that has gotten back its best players that's not an easy thing to do and I'm pretty sure that most sides would have crumbled there So as said shows a lot of character and I can remember Jose Mourinho once saying if you you know the difficult games if you draw your away games and win your home games then you're set to win the title so you know it, that was a very valuable point given the circumstances uh, I mean can one be anything else than happy with the start of the season that's the question you know I mean <laughs> eternal blue uh, Shiva I mean that's it's all clicking right i mean is is there has there been any flaw i mean defensively it doesn't seem that way uh so i think that's pretty much what uh, we need to build upon right i mean the start is excellent yeah and even tukal admits that yes we are not playing at our best but the results are uh, good and that's what's important because you know any title winning season even in recent memory uh, under jose we always started on fire uh you know the first 15 20 games we would absolutely destroy teams you know attacking wise we would rule the roost but uh you know and then when the time came to lock down and secure the title he would just go back to ultra defensive ways and uh, completely lock it down and i think that having those early results is really going to help us uh because as we head into the time where the attackers need to get into their groove now uh because we have a defense that is impenetrable the attack has time to gel and that's important because lukaku being there is a big paradigm shift for the attack we didn't have a player who could be centrally a focus for us we didn't have that with either tammy or timo so having that is a different paradigm that all of our attackers and midfielders need to get used to and uh, having a defense that won't concede goals while we get used to this attacking shape will be a real advantage for us. Mm. 
That's, I mean, that's why you spent a hundred mil, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, I can remember saying in the, in the latter stages of last season, if we just get this one striker, even though we might have needed a few others, other areas, shift a few plays and so on, then I'd be happy. And Lukaku does exactly that. I mean, three, no, sorry, four games. Four games, four goals, right? Yeah, that's that's just phenomenal. I mean, when have we had the last start of the season where our strikers scored in every as was you know as good as every game? I mean, as a stats man, Ram, I'm sure <laughs> you'll you'll be able to give me a, a, an adequate answer to that. But I mean, yeah, just I, it was brilliant. probably yeah. I, I mean, yeah, for sure. I was just. I'm happy that you mentioned this because it kind of made me think about how the strikers that we have had have started the season in previous times. And well, you talk about Tammy Abraham and he had a pretty good start when he was playing under Lampard and he scored a lot of goals in the first half of the season. But then something that came, well, even more to prominence in my mind was Diego Costa and his start to the season. Uh, when he had just signed for us in 16-17. He was on fire. I think he was in something like five goals in three games or something like that, just including the hat-trick against Everton, was it? Um, so that was... But then, yeah, then it kind of just led to me comparing Diego Costa versus Romelu Lukaku. And I can't help but feel as if um, Diego Costa was a... Uh, he was a bit of a structure breaker because when possession went to him he would kind of slow it down a lot. Like, you, you, would, you would remember that he would try and face up against defenders and um, do, like, a couple of dummies and then just kind of shithouse his way past them. He, he wasn't, like, a natural dribbler or anything, but he loved to engage with defenders when he got the ball. Is are my most primary memories of him in possession. But the thing with Lukaku is he's a, he's a great structural player as well. Like, I feel like he's excellent at facilitating free-flowing moves also, which is well, pretty much why, uh, as you said, we, we paid like a huge premium to him. But then, yeah, it just comes back to um, when you talk about strikers who are elite at finishing, how much do you sacrifice uh, for the finishing ability at the cost of them breaking down moves and being like not very productive in possession? But with Lukaku, there are none of those issues, in my opinion, uh, which is why I genuinely think he's one of like a, a top three first striker in the world, uh, to be honest. So it does feel really good to see that. But yeah, um, Shiva, do you think do you think our best front three at the moment is Havertz, Mount, and Lukaku? Because it's something that I've seen around social media as well. Like they haven't. I think they've only played like just over a hundred minutes together. But do you think that that's the direction that we will be heading in going forward? Because right now you're seeing. All sorts of combinations, like Ziyech coming in in the Champions League and whatnot. But, so, but that is probably the way we'll head forward, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, you're right about Lukaku. I think he has taken a big step up. Right, he had that like ability to hold it up, but he didn't have that free flow. I mean, the ability to link play in a very organic way at United. And uh, at Inter, he just took a massive, massive step up. He he got on the ball more and he created more chances, but he also took more shots. Uh, 
you know he was like around two two and a half shots per game at manchester united or something like that which for a striker is not really that high but at inter i think it went up and right now he's at around four i mean it's early days but uh, so the signs that he uh, has improved both as a striker but also as somebody who can participate in position are definitely there and the players who can play around him uh, you know all of our forwards are in various ways different to each other like pulisic is somebody who uh, i think has great dribbling ability but also in i think he's probably the guy who attacks the far post the best and then we have timo who probably runs off players a little bit better and then we have ziek who i don't know i mean i want him to do well i really do but uh, i don't so know so far he hasn't shown it uh, <laughs> but yeah if we want to define a first choice country and i would agree with it in mount havers and lukaku uh, then yeah these are the three guys that we want to build our team around and it's not just for this season but you know moving forward because all three of them are top top players like yeah it's it's unbelievable how well like within i don't know within two seasons we have completely restructured everything in our attack like hazard yeah. left Billion left, Pedro left, and now we have so many good players already, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is very nice when you look at it that way, uh, for sure. And well, just sort of moving on to the next um, topic that we wanted to cover, Jimmy. What have you to say about the way Matteo Kovacic has started the season, and has he stepped up his game? I don't know. Has he just stepped up his game? Has or has the presence of better call Saul Nikuias have anything to do with that? <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, better call Saul. Well, Saul Nikuias was. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm not gonna sit here and say you know I've watched a lot of him at Atletico. I can only go by what I've read about him. What I've seen in certain clips on YouTube and so on. And he does have a somewhat similar play style to Mateo Kovacic in several ways. Uh, with people saying, well, he's just basically Kovacic, but with not as good dribbling skills, uh, but... But worse. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, he, he, he'll score more goals. And, um, well... You know, Mateo Kovacic, we, we've seen over the past years, he does so many things really, really well. Um, there are very few that dribble better, you know, bring the ball or you know, help us with that transition from defense to attack to bring the ball forward uh, than him. And um, the only part of his game which was lacking was the numbers, you know, goals, assists. And now that he's taken on the... Holy H, you know, number eight. <laughs> Maybe that has upped his game with the uh, competition and breathing down his neck now with, with Sol Niguez, who it does seem wants to stay here. I mean, everything that he's... <laughs> everything that he's uh, written on social media and how he's spoken about this, 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 uh, this change of colours, you'd expect him to want to stay on. So, you know, we are Chelsea after us. Yeah, we are Chelsea, we're the European champions, and Mateo Kovacic will be perfectly aware that he'll 
you know, have to put his head down, will have to work even harder than he has been to keep Sal at a distance. And he's done that for now, you know, for the start of the season. I mean, he scored a goal, a, a fantastic goal, uh, which just goes to show that our pressing can be devastating at times. Um, he scored, oh, he's, he's, I think, recorded two assists, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, his, his overall performances have been just above average. Not above average, no, sorry. You know, really done well. There's not been a game that he hasn't performed well. Yeah. Uh, above average is obviously the completely wrong term, knowledge for that. Um, I think he's enjoying playing with Lukaku. I think he's definitely enjoying that. A very good point that you make there. I think that Lukaku generally has up the game of several players, and one of them has been Mateo Kovacic, um, because he can now pass the ball forward without having to, you know, think about, oh, is this ball gonna uh, bounce right back at me? You know, am I going to have to turn around immediately because the Hold up play from our centre backs, apart from Olivier Giroud, who on the other hand was too slow and, and so on, and several uh, had, of course, because of his age, had several vices there. Um, he, he, he can now work with that far better than he could before. So, as you say, Shiva, that, that, that will be certainly one of the points that uh, I can make why Kovacic is playing much better now. And yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a question now. Is is Mateo Kovacic a fixed starter in our starting eleven now? Because, I mean, Shiva, the start of the season, brilliant, right? Can one actually even contemplate not putting him in the starting eleven right now in the big games? Yeah. I mean, see, I always would want him in the big games because, like you said, his ability to break lines with his dribbling is phenomenal. And I think we have to think about it not just in terms of this start to the season, but we have to think about it in the long term, right? I mean, both Jorginho and Kante are are or in entering their thirties, and uh, we know that neither of them can be a future of this club. Um, so we know we know Kovacic is entering his prime. He's in his prime, 27, 28. That means that. We need him to step up and we need him to be the guy who says, okay, you don't have Kante, you don't have Jorginho, that's fine. I can take care of him, right? So, and because he's been already here for almost, what, three years, three plus years. So, that that seniority and that ability to say that I'm the main man now is expected of him. Otherwise, there's really no scenario in which he can continue in this club. So, I'm glad that he's taking that responsibility on. I'm glad that he's showing that... He has more sides to his game. He's able to affect games more. And he's very positive. Um, and I kind of think that his form right now is very similar to his first few months under Lampard. Right? I mean, he scored a couple of goals uh, then. And uh, he was really good, I mean, in terms of dribbling, in terms of passing and everything. He was pretty good then. So, I think, yeah, let's hope he sustains it and he can carry it forward into the crucial stages of the season. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I really like the point about how playing with Lukaku is basically almost like a floor raiser for the entire team, uh, which is something I love. And, you know, just in general, I feel like Saul, Saul Niguez was not 
the West signing, obviously, but I don't, I kind of don't mind um, fourth choice midfield signings on loan if it allows us to, if it buys us some time and sorts out sort out our situation with respect to what we're going to do with guys like Ampadu and Kilmore and Gallagher, uh, who could all potentially come in next season, or maybe even, uh, you know, a proper young signing like Shomeni. So I don't mind it, but uh, hopefully Saul does not have a game like his debut ever again, for his own sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was ridiculous. It was, it was probably. I mean, I I don't want to be disrespectful, but it generally was one of the least um, memorable debuts I've ever seen from a Chelsea player. But I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe he was, maybe he was just off it. You don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, I mean, I was reminded of Bakayoko against. Washington oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, but wait, yeah, Bakayoko true. actually had a great start to his life yeah. at Chelsea. In that I thought it was against very... Spurs. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I was talking about that one performance which ensured that he would never again play in a Chelsea Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I well, mean, the only way is up. So. <laughs> he didn't get sent off, you know, that, and he didn't directly cause a goal. But obviously his, his sloppy passing and his just being not up to speed because he, that was the case. That could have caused problems, but thankfully our defense is much more settled than it was back then. So um, yeah, he got away with it. But I think <laughs> that also makes a huge difference. Thomas, that's something one really has to say. Thomas Tuchel, you know, touche. He just reacted immediately. You know? And I think that is what really, um, you know, differentiates him from from other coaches. He doesn't feared to take action and he did yeah and then Sol got hooked and Jorginho came on and then Kovacic and Jorginho or Jovacic as <laughs> Jovacic as he's been uh, endearingly called it just works you know and it, we it was ridiculous how much balance that brought to our midfield it's just that yeah. that was it was so so yeah. easy to see them you know it's just completely other side you could say against that Aston Villa team which was giving us a tough time in that first uh, that first half. Yeah, but remember we did score that early goal as well. So, I mean, the lead was pretty much uh, put paid to Villa's efforts, I think. But yeah, definitely. See, there is a good Jovacic and there is a bad Jovacic. Um, you know, the good Jovacic is actually the what we saw against Villa where they were setting tempo, they were controlling the position. Uh, but there is also a bad Jovacic which tries to play too many five-yard passes between each other. And... Uh, end up giving the ball away. Uh, mm. And I think if we just see the good Jovicic, then I'm very happy. Uh, but uh, I am also reminded of a few performances between the two of them, uh, specifically the FA Cup final uh, under Lampard. That Yeah, so I'm always... Uh, I think it's best to go game by game. And uh, when Kante is fit, Kante does start, especially in games like you know, against Spurs or coming yeah. up in the Manchester City soon. Um, but uh, in other games, yeah, because both of them are very fit, both coaches and Gojorginho are very fit. So I expect them to start more often than not. Yeah. 
but that, that's a that, I know we're going to preview the Spurs game later on, but that's kind of the problem that I well not it's it's a great problem to have, you know, it's it giving us a headache in that area. But you know, Kante's back, thankfully. You know, you always want Kante to start, but Jorginho's been fantastic. Kovacic has been fantastic. You know, you, what 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 do you do? You know, you can't play all three of them in a, even if we were to revert to a 3-5-2, for example. You can't play all three of them. There'll be basically no creativity whatsoever. And even though Kovacic has started well this season, you know, we need someone to create them goals and that's that wouldn't be that midfield. So, you know, you can't start all of them. What do you do? You know, it's, it's a very tough choice and a headache that, uh, that you know, Thomas Tuchel now has. Then again, you know, probably a good, good thing. It's good to have your third choice midfielder playing well. <laughs> that seems like the simple solution. If uh, Kante and Jorginho are the first choices, then it's always good to have the third guy pushing them. And I suspect that will be the situation. I mean, if uh, everyone's fit and uh, seems like, I mean, Tuchel seems like the, a manager who will very willingly rotate, as we saw I mean, simply by virtue of looking at the lineup against Aston Villa, which kind of made me go, "Hmm, what's happening here?" But I mean, yeah. So soon it became soon it became evident yeah. that it was for rotational purposes. So I mean, it's good to have um, your third choice midfielder and Kovacic playing well when you need him. So I, he will definitely play more. So it's good to kind of keep his, uh, you know, his his wheels uh, creased, if that makes sense. But anyway, you know, speaking of yeah. rotational players. There's one in particular that we wanted to address, but we will do so after a very short break. Welcome back. And um, I'm pretty sure there was no suspense as to who that player was because uh, we talk about him a lot, as does everyone. And when he has a different haircut, people say ridiculous things like, perhaps this will be the turning point. But <laughs> it's, I, I saw that. I saw that on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's Chelsea fans for you. And, and then I, I also saw another comment saying he looked good when he sits on the bench which was slightly more dark, but it was funny. Um, yeah, we're talking about Callum hudson And he played right wing back against Aston Villa, which I found to be slightly random, given Hakim Ziyech was playing 10 ahead of him, which is ridiculous and will always be ridiculous in my books. But then it's something that we've discussed before, Jimmy, like right wing back is basically Arsenal's route into this team. I imagine if we had Traore or Hakimi or something, he wouldn't even have got those minutes. So I guess his, his, his position in the squad is like rotational wing-back slash 10 option, but primarily rotational wing-back, plus maybe an option to change games uh, when we need him to. But I guess, you know, we, we know that that's his position in the squad. But as for his actual performance... um. Right wing back maybe logistically easy for him to get into the side, but is it actually his best position or is he just better on the left? What do you think? Because I I just felt like he was quite vanilla against Villa. Like I, I didn't really see much that I loved, but it wasn't terrible, I guess. But it just you expect to be seeing more from a player who really wants to kind of make his case, you know? Uh, are you are you asking me or you? Yeah, I'm asking sure, you. Yeah, oh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's a very, very diff, 
difficult situation because he did have that Bundesliga loan, but I was one of those that said, no, don't don't loan him because we need the numbers. You know, you look at stacked squads which win all the competitions, um, like the Real Madrid of old or Manchester City, of course. Uh, you need these players because you always have the problem that injuries occur. Uh, Christian Pulisic is the perfect example of that. Hakim Ziyech, get, uh, you know, he can get the odd injury. Then, you know, who do you have? Then you only have Havertz and Werner and that's it. So I'm sure Callum hudson Doe will get his, gets minutes this season because Tuchel, he does rate him. We know that. Um, he, he did say as much, you know, in several interviews. And I always like to watch that video from the start of the season where only like Tammy Abraham and Hudson Odoi were at training for preseason. And he said, no more hiding. Mm, so, yeah. so I really hope that this season is different. And even if he doesn't play every game that he, you know, shows in those games, basically the Callum Hudson Odoi, which we saw in that preseason all those years ago now. Uh, where in prison he was just ripping everything apart and he was constantly taking players on. I don't know if it's like a constraint on the, in, the, in the system that we're implementing, but, you know, it's, it just he doesn't take enough people on for me anymore. He just kind of shifts the ball. Um, obviously, as a wingback, it's a bit different. But when he did switch to that left wing position, was it against Villa? Yeah. I, it, it was just he didn't take enough uh, players on. It's just... He's so, so good on the ball. His technique, brilliant. But it's just, I don't know. Shiva, what do you think? Is, uh, he, has to, he has to do more in the game for me to really say, okay, this is the Callum Hudson-Odoi that we want to see. So, yes. Yes, Callum has to do more. Um, and uh, the thing that I find myself, you know, wondering about, it's, it's that... You know, you have guys like Pulisic and Ziyech who have basically been pretty average to bad for a long time. And then we have Callum, who has been good in bursts and hasn't been rewarded with a start when he has been good. So I kind of have this problem with Tuchel there. Uh, you know, I understand that we bought Ziyech and Pulisic, both of them have come in for big fees. So we kind of have to uh, keep that in mind and preserve their value. But honestly, I mean, that, that feels wrong to me. Uh, so when we get him in that left position, which is very rare that we get to see him there, um, I don't know if he can really take anything away from that because it's just that's not, it's not enough of a sample size for us to really make any conclusions. Uh, I do get the feeling, like you said, Jimmy, that he has not been taking on as many people as he can or should, really. But... Uh, I mean, on the right, on the right hand side, it's a little bit tough. So I, I kind of come from that. Um, I want, I want Callum to do well. I think on the right side, he can be more effective. He was really deadly against uh, Crystal Palace last season, if you remember, where we like smashed them four 0 Callum was the guy who was making things happen. He had Mount ahead of him, and the both of them linked up really well, and uh, they basically killed Crystal Palace. And I want to see more of that. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen with Ziyech because basically he is either losing the ball or is trying Hollywood crosses. Um, and I'm pretty mad with him because he has to do more. I mean, as somebody who is in his prime, he has to do more. He has to justify 
in being on the pitch and not just be rewarded stars so yeah i am not happy with any of your other attacking options beyond mountain havertz and even havertz really has been up and down so hope that all of them pick up form soon i mean that's really going yeah. to be what important for us yeah i really agree with you that situation needs to be sorted out sooner rather than later um by sorted out i mean one of them needs to get into form at least but yeah another situation that we thought we would talk about was the contract situation with center back seeing as it seeing as it's been in the news lately you know, just with rudiger most prominently because i think christensen is close to signing one by all accounts which is a smart move in my opinion because he is definitely the one who has a lot left to offer in terms of just athletically being where he is now as well like he he won't he, he's not going to decline he's, he's still young uh he will improve as well to be fair uh, for center backs i feel like um a good amount of the development can come later as well so i think extending christensen is definitely the right thing to do so i mean you, we when you when you consider the situation that we had of all our center backs in the summer with the uh, christensen rudiger suma thiago silva we extended but i think thiago silva was just meant to be there anyway for one one more year um rudiger has a year left we sold zuma which was probably not the worst thing to do in my opinion since he had a decent amount of resale value left and we well we we got a decent amount of money for him but if we had to sell anyone i would probably have guessed we sold sell zuma so it wasn't the most unpredictable move or anything but in this situation i feel like the best possible outcome for me is to extend Christensen, let Rudiger go, um, let Thiago Silva go, of course, and kind of rebuild the defense a bit. Uh, obviously, we've got Trevor Chaloba coming back in, who has, well, he's played uh, a lot more than I would expect him to, if you talked to me about this one month ago. Um, but I think Chaloba can definitely grow into a starting option over the course of the season. Do what? We did not let Kohi or Tomori to do and then we might need to buy another center back so i think yeah it's a very pertinent question as to what we would do next uh, if it, it's definitely one that we've discussed a lot on this podcast but you know understandably because the situation surrounding the contracts keeps changing so shiva i just wanted to get your take on this because it seems like rodriguez won't sign and i mean there shouldn't be any reason for him to sign if you know other clubs are interested and i wouldn't mind him not signing other i would be i wouldn't lose too much sleep over him going to some other club which is fine i just think that he is um, he's done his time here he's been good it doesn't necessarily need to be extended when we could probably develop someone of our own and bring in someone to you know kind of take the spot that Christensen had before this which was you know development center back who will get better um and we could probably sell him for a profit if need be a few years later so uh how, how do you how do you see this playing out do you think Rudiger will not resign and if he doesn't who would you bring in or what kind of player would you look to bring in so i think i don't think he will sign because he will definitely get a lot more money if he moves at this yeah. point as I mean this has been demonstrated pretty clearly across football right now i think when you get to that age of 28 it's probably better to leave your current club 
uh, and uh, start again. So who would I sign? I don't know. Uh, it's a bit tricky because it's that position of that right sided. Uh, sorry, the left sided center back is a bit of a specialist position in the back. Right. I mean, you need to be able to uh, get those angles right when you're passing with your right foot into the wing back or into yes. the midfielder. It's a bit tricky. It's not it's not the easiest uh, and not everybody is comfortable there. So we have to think about that. And I was always on the on the fence about Jules Kunde this summer is because we have enough people who can play in the middle and uh, in the central position or on the right side of the defense. But we don't have anybody apart from Rudiger who plays on the left side. So if Kunde comes in, I don't think he's going to be playing on the left side because if you sign somebody for 70 million, you're not going to play them in a position that's not familiar to them. It's just, yeah. it's just not going to happen. So I think what we need to address is that uh, get somebody who can comfortably play there and get the angles right when you're passing because we do pass out to the back as a team. Um, and uh, having that is really important. So we should target somebody like that. You know, imagine we already had some people like that. You know, we had Tomori and we had Gwaiti, but obviously yeah. we let them go. So See, this is why now, we had grievances. Now everyone can see. Oh, God. I mean, it's <laughs> not even... <laughs> you probably, you know, you look at mine and Ramstad, it's just like you're going <laughs> expletive <laughs> after expletive after each of them leaving. Uh, yeah. It's It's been a rough summer, man. It's been a rough summer for people who want to see... Uh, some of these big guys we solved for pittances uh, who we know can contribute in a massive way if they were given the chance. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know, maybe Jimmy has a different thought on this. Yeah, Jimmy, what do you think? Yeah, now that we've got our Trev to play right side if needed, well, it's kind of a, yeah, kind of a complex dynamic because, you know, either Reese James or Aspelikwara plays right, but then Trev can play probably he can probably play across, but what do you do? Do you go out and get a specialist right centre-back in Joel Skunde? I, I have heard that he is decent on the left as well. I can't comment, having not watched him that much. Um, but do you think that we go for a specialist left centre-back instead of, you know, our previous direction, which was to target Kunde? Um, <clears throat> well, the thing is, I don't think we're actually going to get anyone else than Kunde because it it's it's obvious that we want him. Uh, it's been um, confirmed as much from both Sevilla and Chelsea, or Thomas Tuchel. So we, we bid for him. It's very likely that we'll come back. He doesn't seem too happy that this this uh, deal didn't come uh, to play. Uh, I'm talking about Jules Kunde here, of course. Um, there have been some indications about that. So I, I actually am quite sure that he will come in the question is and th this is it because I, I do think that Jules Kunde will be playing on that right centre-back role so the question is do we have from the options that we currently have in our squad the option to put a Trevor Chalabar or Andres Christensen on the left side then again, of course, one can say we do have Malang Sar. I wasn't happy with him in preseason, so I. Before uh, you say we have Malang Sar, you should always say we have Levi Colwell, just for future reference. Look, the, <laughs> uh, I get that, right? But let's be let's be real here. Colwell is Colwell, sorry, uh, is a teenager still, while Malang Sar is already well into his twenties. He's played a lot of games for Nice. 
I'm just I'm just looking at the options we currently have at the club, right? He's on mm. loan. And Malang's I mean he'd be a backup anyway, I guess. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't want Malang Sar to be a starter for us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's that's not what I, what I'm trying to say here, but um we have to shift him first before we can think about getting one else in. Because if Silva leaves us, Rudiger leaves us next season, those two, then obviously we have Trevor Chalaba, but you know then we have Andreas Christensen playing as that uh, central centre back every game. So we need actually possibly another centre back coming in apart yeah. from Conde. Uh, whether that be from within or someone else that we're targeting. I mean, not that he's played any good in recent years, but uh, less, uh, what's his first name? I'm not sure. But anyway, Romagnoli's out of contract next June as well. So yeah. we've been interested in him in the past, apparently, according to the, you know, the papers. So you never know. Maybe we'll get another, uh, in quotation marks, free player come in like Silver uh, last year. Never know, but it's, 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 I think it's going to be very sad to see Silva and Rudiger leave because while I would have been firmly on your side a year ago, Ram, yeah, um, in regard to Rudiger, just, I'm not going to hide. I, I I did write tweets where I said I never want to see Rudiger wear a <laughs> Chelsea shirt again. I, I have to be honest, you know. But then again, no Chelsea fan, no one can tell me this. That 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 they would have foreseen this crass turnaround for Rudiger. I mean, yeah. he hasn't made in the old days. He was good for a mistake every other game, maybe multiple ones in one game. Um, now he hasn't made a mistake under Tuchel. I think there's like maybe one that I remember that wasn't really a mistake as such. It didn't lead to a goal. It was just you know he got bypassed then by a player that was like already last season. And he just doesn't make any mistakes anymore. He's physical. I, I actually think we need to tie him down. I'll be completely honest. I don't think we can afford to lose him. If he mm. wants 200K and we want to give him maximum like 140, 150, right, meet in the middle, give him 180K. Hopefully he'll he'll uh, say yes to that. And because I, I, I don't yeah. think we need to rip any holes that don't need to be uh, made at the moment, right? Well, or Shiva, do do you want to add to that? So here's the thing, right? I mean, why would he meet in the middle when he has options from PSG or, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, I don't know, whoever that other club might be, who will definitely pay him that and more. So that's why I think it's a bit... Because he's because those are all crap shows at the moment. Barcelona is never going to give him that Um, that money. I mean, money money talks a little bit. Wow. And that's not a reflection on any player. It's hmm. it's just pure business. Uh, yeah. When the team that is like I would want him to stay if he wants to stay and if he takes the money that we give him. But uh, there's always going to be a situation where like Willie and you get a three-year contract or something with with outrageous wages, and you just can't say no to that. I mean, I wouldn't blame any player who did that. So hmm. I am skeptical that we will manage to convince him. Uh, if we do good, that means that we can worry about the left left center back position. Maybe a year or a couple of years down the line. Um, yeah. In any case, we do need to restructure our defense soon. Yeah. And our midfield. So I think you know getting a head start on that build, rebuild is important. So. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, there are 
there, there have been. I think there was in the tabloid, so I wouldn't, you know, give it too much attention. And big, big pinch of salt that uh, Marina Granovskaya, because she doesn't want Rudiger to be leaving on the free, wants to sell him in January, which would be ludicrous. I mean, if it, it does <laughs> seem very fun. likely that we could get Jules Kunde in 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 January, right? Mm. It does yeah, seem very likely. So that will be I, a lot. I don't not like. I don't think this is happening. I mean, uh, that would be shooting ourselves in the foot when we are like, absolutely potentially going to challenge for the title or again for the Champions League. Exactly because selling Rudiger at this point is just shooting ourselves in the foot. Like, let's how, get the how most much out would of you get. You know, how much would you even get? You're like yeah. ten mil something. That's not worth it. Not even remotely. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, even if you get Jules Kounde in. Uh, I don't think we should let Rudiger go this season. Mm. Uh, next summer, if we if we manage to get him to sign and convince him to stay, um, that's I mean I don't see any downsides to that because we already let go of the guys who were kind of ready to take that role. So we have to just see what happens. I think it'll be hard to convince him, but if we do convince him, good. If not, then well, that's just the. Uh, that's just the way things go, so we have to adapt. Yeah, I mean, look, looking at how who earns how much in our squad, you know, 200k Ram, because you said you wouldn't mind if he leaves. So you, mm -hmm. you, you think 200k for Rudiger wouldn't be uh, appropriate? No, I don't. I mean, if, if, you, tell, if you're going to... Okay, go on. No, no, I interrupted you. Sorry, please. No, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that if you are going to bend all the way up to spending that or giving that wage to Rudiger, then just, I don't know, I guess at that point it's probably time to assess the benefit of keeping Rudiger on that money for like three more years. Because there's, there's no way he's signing a contract that's, you know, lesser in length than that. Uh, that's probably what he would be asking other clubs as well. Because he's a centre-back and he's uh, quite athletic as well. So he's probably going to be good for another two, three years. So... If you're going to spend that much money on Rodiger for another three years, then you just kind of makes you think whether you, whether it's just worth uh, weighing it up against just getting that head start on rebuilding the defense at that point, you know. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's really worth it at that point. Well, the, the thing yeah, is... Yeah, and we have to keep in mind one thing I would add just quickly. Um, yeah. See, when you sign somebody for high wages, it becomes harder to sell them. And we're seeing this with uh, Drinkwater and Barkley. And so many other people. So, you know, if we say we give Rudiger that 200k contract, uh, then that means that we probably won't be able to sell him for the fee that we want to in the next summer or the summer after that. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely is a consideration. Um, I don't know. Well, so let's see. I mean, that sh should be kept in mind as well. Yeah, no, definitely. The thing is, though, that tell me a centre back right now in the league who's better than. Antonio Rudiger. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But then I don't. Do you, are you confident that it will sustain until the end of the season, and then like for the next two years at least? That's the thing. Like we've seen the we've seen all sides of Rudiger at this point. And what if it's like a temporary temporary elevation? When it, it's always good to be in the form of your life when you are battling it out for the last huge contract of your career, presumably. That's so, a fair point. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a fair point. I, I, I'll give you that. But the, then again, you can never know, right? You know, we, we gave Lukaku this five-year deal and he might 
somehow get an injury, you know, and then never be the same again. I mean, if we if we're gonna be in that thinking, then it's very difficult to plan for the future. At the well, moment, he's been over two, you know, in two different seasons. There's been a summer in between where Rudiger's performed well under Tuchel. It, as long as Tuchel stays, and we say we're planning with Tuchel, which of course is very difficult at this club. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a no-brainer for me that one would want to give him an improved contract, and you know, it's, it's, I don't think that we're going to get much better options at left centre back uh, next summer. Even I mean, yeah, well, I just wouldn't sell him. Uh, let him go. It's yeah. Well, it, it's it's difficult, obviously. I'd like him to say, but I wouldn't. Basically, the, the summation of my argument is I wouldn't want us to just bend over wage-wise for him. It's just, I feel like you can't really compare Rudiger to Lukaku because Lukaku is one of the greatest currently playing goal scorers of this generation. There's no other way to put it, really. So, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like... Yeah. And, and I feel like Lukaku has also adapted his game a lot to ensure that he has more career longevity. That's just my opinion. But yeah. it just feels like yeah, a I mean, different argument. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true, Ibrahim. And I, I have... Uh, I mean, we talked about this earlier when we thought about Lukaku signing. It says that he has changed his game in such a way that he's yeah. going to be an asset for the duration of his contract. Uh, I mean, of course, injuries can happen. But uh, barring that, I... I didn't see any issues with him being that five-year on that five-year contract with on probably being the top earner in the, in the squad. I definitely saw no issues with that. Yeah. Uh, now making Rudiger that one of those top earners, um, I don't know if we should do that. Uh, and yeah. because, like you said, I mean, he has been really good under Tuchel, but uh, we have seen him playing Betty pretty erroneous under Lampard. For a long while, and as much as Lampard was not as good a coach as Tuchel, yeah. it still stands that you know there is an evidence or there's a history that we can't ignore. So, yeah, yeah I mean, let's see. I I want, uh, and I also see take your point, Jimmy, that that there's not many left-sided centre backs available in the market who are as good as Rudiger currently is. Um, so yeah, I mean, but the thing is that a lot can change over the course of this season. Uh, I mean, like, there's almost a new French centre back. Every time I look at League One, there's a new French centre back who's like really. So, I don't know. I mean, like, France is producing really good players now in centre back region, uh, and then England has also been producing really good players in the centre back area. So, it's just yeah. either ready to consistently deliver for us, maybe not. But then, buying any 21, 22 year old centre back is always an investment in the future. Right? It's not just for the present. So. Let's see. Uh, it's going to be interesting how the squad changes over the next summer because we have to think about the ages of a lot of players. Yeah. As we, Thiago Silva, Jorginho uh, and Kante. All four are really important for us and we might have to think about replacements as soon as next summer for all four of them. So, yeah. yeah, It's going to yeah. be interesting I, summer. I agree. I agree. That, that was, yeah. I'm, ultimately, I guess, it's just... Um, it's two fair sides to the same argument, I guess. Like so, uh, both of our points are 
pretty valid in their own ways. But then again, it's just a, it's a game of opinion. So let's see how that progresses. We, we'll probably see the situation heating up a lot closer to January. So we, um, we, we it won't be the last time we discuss it, of course, because uh, Rudiger will probably drop like a 10 on 10 performance in three weeks time. And then you'll say, remember, you said he wouldn't last. So <laughs> uh, anyway, on that note, we will just take another short break until we finally look forward to our next game, which is tomorrow against Tottenham. Welcome back. And yes, I I, I can't lie. It's been um it's been a pet fascination of mine to go on YouTube and type the words Giorgio Chiellini Tottenham. Uh, just now and then I do it and I listen to it and it's quite funny because just just to hear him say it's the history of the Tottenham. I really I'm very fond of that clip for some hmm. reason. Uh, but anyway, um, that's just what I thought of when I think about Tottenham these days. But they have, um, well, they have a new manager this year, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. And it, I, I watched their previous game against Crystal Palace, but I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of conclusion it's safe to really draw from it, given they were playing with ten men for a while. Although, although I think Crystal Palace were. It was just not a very high quality game overall, in my opinion. Crystal Palace weren't exceptional or anything. Yeah. They, they they were functional with some quality up front and Tottenham probably just had an off day as well. And then their problems were simply exacerbated after Tanganga got sent off after about an hour had been played. So I, I'm not, not going to read into that game too much. Although, I mean, the fact that they had only two shots in that game, literally just two shots, is uh, quite encouraging for us. Uh, although they have obviously won their three games prior to that, uh, some high-profile wins in there. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure what to make of this new-look Nuno Tottenham. Um, Shiva, do you think they're going to cause us a lot of problems? They, they certainly, um, they, they, in, in, in Nuno fashion, they have won 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 and 1-0. Apart from a three 0 win against yeah. uh, Park Passos de Ferreira. Honestly. But yeah, how how do you how do you Honestly, think I mean, um, it's set up? I have I have seen them a couple of times this season. They yeah. have not been at all convincing. They weren't convincing against Manchester City, uh, even though they won. And I also watched them against I think the second game was it Southampton. Um, yeah, so I am not convinced with about this. Watford. I mean they lack. A lot of quality, I think. Yeah. After Kane and so on, and maybe Dele now, they are really lacking in terms of quality, especially at centre back. Um, I think Lukaku will have fun again, like he did against Arsenal. So I don't see them being a threat as such, but of course you never know with Kane and so on. And so on, pulling out wonder goals every week. Now. So honestly. <laughs> That's yeah. that's always a threat, but I don't see them causing us too many problems. I don't see them having the quality to really threaten us. Not even as much as uh, you know, Aston Villa did. I mean, maybe that's being too unfair and too mm-hmm. optimistic. But uh, yeah, I see problems there. I don't see any real uh, solidity to that team like you expect from a Nuno team. So yeah, that's interesting, Jimmy. Do you do you also feel like Nuno has had? An underwhelming start as life to um, as life as Tottenham manager. Like they've they've got some wins, but probably haven't been convincing. Is that your read on it as well? 
Well, on paper, uh, you'd say they have to be happy with three wins out of four. You know, Tottenham fans, because of the whole uh, Harry Kane situation, not finding a manager for half the summer, uh, will have would have snapped your hand off. You know, at the back end of last season or during the uh, the European Cup, uh, if you'd told them that, um, especially. If you know, with a win against Man City, the favourites to win the title. But the problem is, as Shiva's already uh, mentioned, these performances haven't been good. You know, they have gotten the wins, but they've sc- somehow scraped by. You know, it's, they haven't been convincing at all. It's been more luck than anything else that they won several of those games, with the exception of that Man City game, where they just learned you know, with this 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 uh, Nuno system, he, he can play, you know, the, that defensive side of the game that he, you know, is a former goalkeeper and all that. He, he he knows how to set up defensively and he did that against Man City, Manchester City and that worked for him. But the other games where it was more on Tottenham to, you know, uh, bring the game to the, to the, I don't want to say inferior sides, you know, with all due respect to Watford and... Um, I can't remember the second one that they played. Uh, Wolves. Wolves, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I Wolves, remember double, double W twice. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 you know, they, you'd, you'd expect them to win then, uh, but they, you know, they struggled. Then again, we know that when they host us on Sunday or tomorrow, they won't be the ones that will be primary, um, you know, having possession, trying to do uh, uh, do this and that, because we're the ones that will be the ones with the possession. We're the ones that are going to try and break them down because they're going to sit very deep. Uh, and then they're just going to hit us on the counter. And, you know, I, I do not like Son as a, as a, as a person. I think he's, he's been shown as this, this good boy that he really isn't. He has a very, very, disgusting side to him when he when he wants to show you and uh the thing is he can hit you on the counter really bad you know he he's perfect for that and he's Mm -hmm. shown that in several games in the past so uh i think we have to be on our toes definitely have to be on our toes because that will suit nuno much more than the games against watford and wolves so it's on tuchel to set us up appropriately and i'm sure he will I'm sure he will, but it's it's not going to be as easy and clear cut as many pundits and so on. You know, when you look at ESPN and uh, BBC and so on, <laughs> as as it's yeah, as as they make it out to be, it's not going to be like that. So, I think if we yeah. get a win tomorrow, that would be absolutely phenomenal. You know? And we, yeah, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. This is. I mean, just quickly, uh, one thing I want to add on is first uh, city performance. I think uh, when what goes under the radar a little bit is that we found out that why Jack Grealish is not played as an eight. Um, mm. So I think, that, and we haven't seen him played there since uh, Pep has moved into the left wing, and uh, he's not played as an eight again. But basically, uh, what I would say is City were figuring themselves out at that point, and maybe we're kind of waiting for Kane, like Pepper's making a point that, you know, I have no strikers, give me Kane. So, yeah, that that was there. And that definitely was a good performance from them because City were off quite a bit. Uh, and like you said, Son 
I mean, every time you watch him, he's going to pull out a wonder goal nowadays. It's, it's like he's yeah. channeling that um, that really good performances from him. So I yeah, yeah, there is threat there. There's always threat when we face Tottenham. Um, I will never forget that five three loss, which no, me neither. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's one of the worst, worst performances ever that like will be remain branded in my mind forever. So I will yeah. never forget that, and I will always be wary of Tottenham. But I think in recent years we've shown that we are we got the measure of them. We got the measure of Harry Kane, and we got the measure of them. So yeah, I mean, especially under Lampard. So yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, quickly before we end, um, lineup and score predictions. Jimmy, you can go first. Um, well, I wouldn't change much lineup wise. You know, we 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 have a winning system right now. So I think that as Pilaqueta will revert back to right centre back, and we have Reese James coming in at, uh, at right wing back again, as he has served his suspension. Um, and then Trevor Chalaba basically makes way. Otherwise, you know, at the back, nothing's going to change. It, there is the question whether or not we want to see Ben Chilwell come in to uh, counter the pace of Lucas Moura. That yeah. would make sense uh, because, you know, he's defensively more sound, you could say, than Marcus Alonso. Then again, sure. Alonso's had a great start to the season. And, and he uh, loves scoring against Spurs. He loves scoring against <laughs> Spurs. So it's 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 a tricky decision to make. I'd actually be happy with both. You know, whether one or the other, whatever happens, um, I'm open to that. Midfield, I mean, Kante, Jorginho. I guess it has to be Kante, Jorginho. Then again, it, I feel like Mateo Kovacic is very hard done by there. <laughs> but you'd expect, or you don't rush him back and you play with Jovic. But Jovic can have problems and. You know, I think Kante will be integral for this game. I really would want him to play. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, Lukaku, Mount and Havertz up top. There's not a lot of debate there. Now, that would be my lineup. And, you know, I think we're going to get a 1-0 win here. Yeah. Because we don't well, concede. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and what about you, Shiva? Yeah, I think I agree with that lineup. Uh, pretty much, you know, back three of... I guess it's a decision between Christensen and Thiago Silva. Uh, yeah. You know, against a deeply set team, I kind of prefer Thiago's passing a little bit more. I mean, Christensen will get there, uh, but I think Thiago is a little bit more clever with finding angles into our forwards. Yeah. So I kind of think maybe we go with Thiago here again uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Aspi on the right and Rudiger on the left as usual. Then we have Alonso because you know you you have to play somebody who loves scoring against Spurs. Like <laughs> Alonso has a purple patch every season, you know, and you have to take full advantage of that purple patch. And uh, he should start this game. Probably the next one is the one where Chile gets back. So and midfield, I would start Kante and Jorginho because coaches has played three 90s in a row, I think. So he does maybe deserve a little bit of a rest. So. Back. And obviously the front three, I think we all agree. We are all in agreement that it has to yeah. be Lukaku Mountain. So yeah. And in terms of winning, yeah, I think it's going to be tunnel. Uh and Lukaku is going to score one at least. Very nice, very nice. And um yeah, I I, I won't I won't add another lineup to that because you basically covered the two possibilities. So I'm not going to add much by 
by virtue of a different lineup, but I will go for a 1-0 win as well. I think um, it might not be the most entertaining game to watch, but I think we'll get the job done. And yes, that is it for this episode of Gain Cotton Podcast. Um, Shiva, thank you so much for coming back. It was lots of fun and just very free-flowing as always. So very enjoyable. Uh, it's a pleasure always. It's always a pleasure. And uh, hopefully on the other side of this podcast, we see a Chelsea win. So that will seal the deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we will see you again soon. But uh, until then, we will drop his Twitter username in the post that goes out from the We Ain't Got No History account. Follow. I, I would highly recommend that you follow him on Twitter for some very nice statsy content and visuals that he's been putting out for a while now. So yeah, do that and you will probably thank me later. So uh, that's it for this episode then, Jimmy. Yes, it is. Uh, so we'll be back hopefully very soon. And uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks again also from me to you, Eternal Blue or Shiver. And yeah, great to have guys from the community come on as always. And yeah, yeah. I think we can wrap thank these you, things up. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Have a nice so, weekend. Oh, you nice. too, yeah. And we'll see each other next time. And don't forget, as always, to keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>